love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Hi, this is the Iron Women Podcast. I'm Alyssa Gadeski, and I'm here with my co-host, Haley Chura. Haley, I feel like after a couple weeks of bad news, I'm starting to see some more optimism out in things, especially the news, especially with some COVID vaccination news and things like that. And I'm even beginning to see a light at the end of the tunnel in terms of like regular racing and to like be actually returning. So I'm curious, I haven't talked to you about training updates in a while, but out there in Bozeman, have you been, are you optimistic? Are you getting ready for anything kind of happening late spring, summer? What are you, what are you eyeing? Alyssa, when you first started this conversation, I thought you were going to say you were vaccinated. <laughs> so I'm sorry that I'm like, I, I assume that's not what you're saying. No, 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 no. <laughs> I was I was going to be like jealous, but then also like just so happy because I feel like we're at the point where like any some... day now one of us could like actually get it. Like I wouldn't be that surprised yeah. if it was like, yeah, no, I, I hear you. And so that was like, you know, I am waiting like they just lower the age here in Montana to 60 and up. And I feel like the supply is going up. And then a lot of my friends who work in any kind of healthcare or um, you know, frontline workers, teachers, my mom got vaccinated last week. And so I am getting to that point where I'm getting hopeful for me. So that's like my biggest hope right now is that like, you know, maybe April, like maybe, you know, I know we just started March, but I'm like, maybe in April, um, getting that first shot and, or getting the Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, yeah, I agree with the like optimism on that. And as far as races go, yes, like that is giving me some, some like ideas and I'll say like I've made like cancelable lodging <laughs> like uh reservations but everything is very cancelable at this point so I have ideas but I think it's like one of those things where you go into optimistically but if I find out a race gets canceled I'm not going to be devastated you know I think that um you know I I'm looking at like right now I'm kind of looking at like St. George 70.3 in May um May feels a little early, but you know, it feels like maybe potentially possible, but then I'm starting to feel like races that are like in July, August, September, like really might happen. And so I'm also okay with that. Like time moves pretty fast. And so I'm optimistic about soon races, but then it's like, again, I'm like the fitness, there's no downside necessarily to gaining some fitness. And so I'm happy about, um, yeah, about some ideas. And it was fun to like, you know, make a reservation, even if I might have to cancel it. How about you? I, well, yeah, I, I would say I'm, um, you know, so I, I said last week how I have the stress fracture in my tibia. So I'm kind of, you know, on a very slow timeline as it is, but I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic that I will be like watching more races and getting my athletes to their races in the near future, which is very, very exciting. Um, and I kind of had thought at the, my first like multi-sport event um, would most likely be like Ironman Lake Placid in July. And so I am, I'm feeling like more and more like that is possibly going to happen, you know? And so, um, and I, I had even kind of thought maybe Tremblant as well in August and that, but you know, a month ago I would have been like, there's no way I'm going to get over the border, but now I am, I'm like, 
I might get over the border by August. Like this could be really happening this year. So I am, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. And I think that optimism around the COVID situation continues to just keep me optimistic uh, through this time where I'm not running and just kind of encouraging me to like, uh, give my all in other training aspects. Still the pool's like a lacking a little bit of my, um, you know, real, what do I want? Enthusiasm, I guess, but I'm, I'm getting to the pool and I'm swimming all the yards that I can, um, on most days, but, um, the bike is really getting a lot of my energy right now. And, and that's been pretty encouraging. So, um, I'm still liking that. Yeah. And spring weather, longer days, getting out on the bike. It starts to like sound really fun. And there is a race happening this weekend or this Friday. Challenge Miami is happening this Friday. And we are going to talk to our guests. We have two guests this week, Laura Siddle and Jocelyn McCauley. And, and while they or Miami, Miami is not the full focus of our conversation. We do talk about it. And I think that that's going to be fun. I think it will be streaming live on uh, challenge Miami's Facebook page. There's a like two ninety nine fee um, to watch it, but Friday at two thirty p.m. I mean, it's your Friday afternoon activity. Kind of fun to have a race on a Friday, I guess. And um, we'll also have Courtney from Live Feisty on the ground in Miami posting to the Feisty Triathlon Instagram account. So hopefully everyone can check that out on Friday. And we'll, again, we'll have more about that in our conversation. But Alyssa, this is a little bit of a tangent, but I am just really really curious about <laughs> what you're gonna say. But did you watch the Oprah Winfrey? interview with Meghan Markle and Prince Harry. I was wondering where you were going with this. Um, so I, I, I didn't know the answer is no, but I plan to right? Um, so I have read probably just about every tweet that has been written about the interview though, since the interview happened. So I was, I was like following along, people were live tweeting the interview essentially. And I, for whatever reason I was, I don't know what time it aired on the East coast, but 8 PM Eastern. I know this. So, um, we, Matt and I started, we had very important survivor plans last night. We were starting survivor. We started back at the beginning. So we just finished up season one. So we had to finish that up. And so the, you know, the TV time was like a little taken up, but I was after that, as I was going to bed, following along with people live tweeting and Haley, I just read this winter, maybe a couple months ago, a book called the Royal We. I think it's called. And it's not about the actual royal family, but it's really messing with my head because a lot of that book parallels a lot of what the interview with Oprah and um, Harry and Meghan was about. So I'm like, or what you think it was about. (laughs) well, Well, what Twitter says the interview was about. So my head feels very confused about it all. And I also feel like I know it all because of the book, if that makes any sense. So at some point during this week, I do, I like, I don't know if it's going to be through a podcast or something. Maybe when I'm walking around, I can put in like, just by then I can have the interview like streaming into my ears and listen once and for all so that I hear like actually what was said. And I'm not just going on Twitter. Your curated, your self curated Twitter feed. It sounds like you watched it. Oh, uh, yeah, I did watch it. I don't miss an Oprah special. Like, I mean, I can't remember necessarily the last one she did aside from like Lance Armstrong, I think, which was in 2013, which was like the one that broke my heart Um, about just like all of competitive sport. I think it did a lot of people. But this one was different. Actually, this one might have been even sadder. But Oprah is just it is a gift to watch her interview. I think that is something that I I, I just love and I don't do it from like a point of comparison because there is no comparison. But as someone who does occasionally interview people, not quite that 
like in that setting um, necessarily where it's like broadcast across the world. Um, although I guess we do broadcast across the world. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess we do, but we're doing it on a weekly basis. I feel like we're doing it maybe more than Oprah is doing it these well, days. Well, she used to do it like every single day. So she got a lot. She's like a bit of a head start on us. <laughs> Yeah. I, I mean, Oprah is, I mean, it's, it's incredible. Like I love the chance to watch her interview because it's just so incredible. I thought it was an incredible interview. I thought it was incredibly sad. Um, and I'm not someone who necessarily like follows the Royal family that closely, but it's a big story, you know, and it is, I think there's a lot of it that goes into just, uh, like how we see celebrities and how they're portrayed in the media and how they're portrayed in tabloids and, um, that can, you know, bleed into not necessarily our day-to-day lives, but how we consume different types of media. And so I thought it was, it was, it was fun to watch. So I can't, I, I'll have to wait. I'll have to wait and talk to you specifically about it later. <laughs> Cause I do think it's worth watching or, or listening. Like you said, I'm sure there will be some option, but, um, okay. Well, well, that was a, a dead that, end. Was one, that was one tangent, but you know, not to, I guess this is a little bit of another tangent, but Haley, I did get some really, um, nice feedback and great feedback from people listening last week who were wishing me the best with my stress fracture and the recovery there and things like that. And some people had some questions about, um, you know, the, the blood work that I did and things like that. So, um, I kind of had these two worlds collide because as I was, you know, figuring all of this out, um, for me, I was kind of like, okay, I want to, figure this out as soon as possible, right? Like time is of the essence. I didn't really want to waste time because, um, you know, a, a week or two goes by and that could be a week or two more that you're waiting to be running again. So I knew I will, you know, just wanted to start getting it done as quickly as I can. And Haley, I admit that I, you know, had him going to my primary care doctor, um, through the pandemic because it was a pandemic and I'm a healthy human. And I felt like I just didn't need to go. I actually had been kind of doing like a yearly checkup, I guess. And I didn't do that, um, last year. And so when I was like, Oh, I need to get this done quickly. I want to get my blood like levels checked and just everything just to make sure all of that is in good shape as I'm figuring out what's going on with my leg. And I was like, I don't even want to deal with telehealth. Like, first of all, going to the doctor as like a 35-year-old woman and talking to this guy and being like, yes, I feel healthy as weird enough as it is. Like, I just didn't feel like going on telehealth and being like, listen, like I I had this complex about being like, I know what I want done. So I'm like, I didn't want to tell my doctor what he needed to do for me, kind of. Does that make sense? So anyway, I knew that inside tracker existed. And so I was like, this seems like actually exactly what I want because I know what I want and I can just set this up and it's affordable and um, I'll just be able to like go in, you know, out the door and then get my blood drawn and then get the answers like right away. Right. So it just checked all the boxes of what I wanted. And so that was how I actually as I was finding out that I did have a stress fracture, got my blood work done, which came back very quickly and showed that I had very low um, vitamin D levels and my iron was much lower than I would want it to be. And so through Inside Tracker, they then, you know, make recommendations. And since at that point I was working with a doctor on my stress fracture, so then they were able to give me recommendations as well and things like that. So point being, it was like, two worlds colliding because then all of a sudden I pull up Slack with Iron Women stuff going on and people are talking about Inside Tracker and Haley, guess who's coming on board as a new partner with Iron Women? 
Sounds like inside tracker. (laughs) (laughs) Ding, ding, ding. You got it. You guys, this really was totally random and just um, actually like a total coincidence that I had just used the service to get blood work done and I will be using them again in a couple weeks and fingers crossed my levels will be like um, a vitamin D and iron will be up a little bit more from the foods that they told me to eat. I've been like doing all of the right things. So we'll see. Okay. So the timeline on this, like who, who needs to use inside tracker? The reason you used inside tracker, it wasn't because your foot was hurting. You were just curious about the levels of iron, your iron levels and everything and didn't want to, you just wanted to just know that and not necessarily go through like the whole rigmarole of seeing a doctor. And so yeah, you're just, so, so this I, wasn't because your foot hurt. No, it was because oh, okay. uh, I knew it was because your foot that. hurt. Okay. Yeah. And so, um, because of that, I knew, you know, I, I know a lot of times those things go hand in hand. Right. And so I just, I wanted to do that, but I would say, you know, I, um, I'm always telling my athletes and it's like one of those things that's not practicing what I preach all the time, but I'm always telling my athletes, like get blood work done at least yearly, if not six months. And if things are awry, like it should be checked probably every three months, right. To make sure we're on top of these things, because it is a slippery slope. Like if something's not quite up to par and then you push a little bit more into the season and a little bit more, right? Like you're just digging yourself into a hole without realizing it. So it is super important for people who maybe are like myself and kind of had just discovered an injury type of thing. But for people who are healthy, I would say it's like equally, if not more as important to um, just be, you can be like one step ahead of the game in you know, just preventative medicine, I guess it is. I don't know. Just knowing what's going on with your body and kind of what's going on. So, so you don't need a prescription to, um, to order the blood work, but then did you then take that information to your doctor when you were concerned about your foot? I did. So they gave me like a really easy, you get basically like this whole printout thing, you know, you can download to a PDF and then I was able to attach it right to my doctor and send it along um, super easy to do that. And, um, you know, they didn't, they, everything on the report, they were able to read it easily and be able to get back to me with recommendations based on what they saw and things like that. Um, the whole, the process to like, um, for the blood draw was, was super, super quick. I think you, I used a quest diagnostics, I guess is who they kind of use for the blood draw. And I went and I was literally in and out of there in less than five minutes because Quest has like really dialed in their procedures, at least the one I went to. So that was super easy. Um, and you just schedule it all online. So it's just really, uh, you know, as pandemic friendly as it can happen um, to have to go in and do kind of a medical procedure. I felt very safe the whole time and it was it was super efficient. And how long till you got your results? I want to say they definitely came the next morning. Whoa. If not before. Yeah, it was like very fast. And I think that might depend on the Quest Diagnostic location and how they kind of send things out and get results. Um, I had like the um, inside tracker thing said it could take several days. And then, and so I was kind of like settling in. And then the next morning, yeah, I woke up and I was like, oh, they're here. Like, so that was, that was fast, um, which was really nice. I'm, I definitely, I love it when, you know, you're like, anxiously waiting for the test results to come in. Right. And so, um, it was nice that it happened pretty quickly and Haley, we have, yeah. Is there a discount code or what, how do we encourage people to go now that we, they're a sponsor is, is there, where do our listeners go if they're interested? So they can, you can either go to insidetracker.com and you, your code would be iron women with a capital I and a capital W it's one word, iron women. 
um, for 25% off what you get at Inside Tracker. If you will also put a link in the show notes to the insidetracker.com forward slash ironwomen, which again, you just sign up and they would send you that code too. You can see the nice picture of Haley and I on that site if you want to go there um, and just check that out. But 25% off is a nice little deal there. And again, I found it super helpful. I think everyone after taking a year off of mostly mostly off of racing for many of us, um, it can't hurt if you have been lazy like I had been to just get a baseline for going into 2021 season. Great to have Inside Tracker on board. And Alyssa, I hear we have a mailbag question. Yay, I'm so excited that we've been several weeks now keeping them coming. Thank you, everyone. Ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com if you want to write in. But who are we we talking or whose question are we answering this week? We have a question from Bev. And hi, Bev. I know Bev through my UVA days. And so... Bev is currently signed up for Ironman 70.3 Virginia in June, but she is without a tri- triathlon bike. Um, she was going to buy a new tri bike with this race in mind, but with the uncertainty of COVID, she's like, eh, I'm not really sure. So she's le- leaning towards just racing on her road bike. Can we speak to the pros and cons of racing on a road versus tri bike for a hilly course like Virginia 70.3? And Haley, you had asked me if I knew what the course was for Virginia 70.3. And I, I actually don't know the exact course, but it is quite hilly. I, I almost want to say they go up to the Blue Ridge Parkway, but I'm not 100% on that. So um, either way, I have heard that there is a good bit of climbing on that race course. And so I don't know, Haley, what are your initial thoughts on this? My initial thought is that if you have a road bike right now, and I, I don't think not having a tri bike should keep you from doing the race. So I definitely think that you can do the race on a road bike if that's what you're comfortable on. And especially if it's a hilly course, um, a road bike might be, you might be more comfortable climbing and descending on that if there are a lot of hills. And if that's what you normally ride on, I don't think you need a new bike just to do this race. I think that, you know, in the long term, like certain other courses are probably a little bit more tri bike friendly. A tri bike might be faster, but it also depends on your goals. If your goal is just to like complete it, not just, that isn't the right word, but if your goal is to complete it, I think that whatever bike you have right now is the right bike for you. Yeah, I think that's a good strategy. I would say buying a tri bike is like such an investment. It's such a commitment and it's like, it's a big investment, (laughs) right? So um, you really, you almost want to base that decision independent of like a race course, right? So that decision should be something that you're doing when you're ready to like commit to some years of racing in the sport. Um, I always race courses on my tri bike, even when they are super hilly. Um, because once you are comfortable on that kind of, in that kind of position, that's in a tri bike and you're comfortable handling that bike on technical and hilly courses, um, I do find it to be faster. Um, and so, but that again, should be something that, you know, the comfort on the tri bike and things like that is something that can take time and it's not necessarily something you want to rush. Um, And especially like right now, I'm thinking actually, as I'm talking here that with the pandemic, bikes are so hard to find. So like your choice for the tri bike might be somewhat limited. And maybe the bike you've been dreaming of is is a bit available, but maybe it's not. And so don't like rush into it just because of this one race and things like that. Like you'll be totally fine on your road bike and you can still race hard. You can still race fast on the road bike as well. Um, So I would say that's, you know, 
almost maybe reframing how you're you're thinking of the bike conundrum with um with the racing is is a good thing to do um and either bike will will be perfectly acceptable for for that race course yeah and if you think back to the 2019 world championships in nice uh, the women's race, Daniela Reef won it on a tri bike, but the men's race, Gustav Eden, he rode a road bike. And I remember watching that coverage and people were kind of writing him off the announcers in the early, cause they're like, what is he doing riding a road bike? And then he won the world championship. So he obviously knew that was the best option that he had for him and it worked. And so I think that it, it, there isn't necessarily a blanket right answer. You have to do what's right for you and what's right for you might change. Um, we did see Gustav on a tri bike when he raced in one Daytona just a few months ago. So, um, so hopefully the big thing is that you are on that start line in Virginia. Hopefully the race happens, you're there and you have a fantastic time, whatever bike you're on. And again, thank you for the mailbag questions. Feel free to send those in at ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. And Haley, you mentioned earlier who we're talking to, but give us a little bit more information about the interview coming up here for everyone. Yes, this is a two two person interview, um, which you know I love having two guests. And so we're talking to British pro Laura Siddle, um, also known as Sid, and then also American pro Jocelyn McCauley. So both women are Ironman champions. They're both past guests where we talk to them about their personal stories. So here they are today as um, members of the Professional Triathlete Organization, or PTO's Anti-Doping and Anti-Fraud Committee. So they started this Anti-Doping and Anti-Fraud Committee with the PTO last year, and we really wanted to learn more about why the PTO has its own Anti-Doping Committee and what they're doing and what happens in the PTO rankings if an athlete tests positive for a banned substance. So we did record this interview last week just before Jocelyn gave birth to her second child. So we want to wish her and her family a big congratulations and express a little bit of extra gratitude for doing this interview during the very early part of her labor, which is, I mean, if you didn't think Jocelyn was already impressive, now you know. But, and we also do get a little bit of a preview on Challenge Miami from Laura, who will be at that race, as well as, like I mentioned, our feisty friend, Courtney, who will be there uh, documenting it for for Feisty Triathlon. But um, Laura gives us some of her picks on who she thinks are women to watch in the women's field and other things to watch in Miami this week. Hi folks, Sarah here, the founder of Live Feisty Media, the company that produces the podcast you're currently listening to. I just wanted to jump in here and invite you to our latest initiative here at Live Feisty, the Feisty Women's Performance Summit. On March 26th to 28th, we will be serving up a virtual summit like no other, designed specifically for active, feisty women, or anyone who wants to know how women can get the best out of our bodies throughout our lives. I think we all kind of figured out by now that a lot of sports and nutrition science studies, product and performance research is done on men, and are a little confused, maybe, about what actually applies to us as women. So... We collected experts from several arenas, physiology, psychology, nutrition science, and social sciences to get some answers. The Feisty Women's Performance Summit includes 20 educational sessions, plus networking events, group workouts, and an expo full of supportive brands. I seriously hope you can join us on March 26th to 28th, 2021. Tickets are only $149 and all sessions will be recorded and can be viewed up to two weeks after the event. 
For more information or to sign up, go to womensperformancesummit.com. The link will be in the show notes, of course. That's womensperformancesummit.com. See you there, feisty friends. Alyssa, I know I go on and on about your fastest known times on 100 and 200 mile courses, but just last month you talked about running 35 second 200s on the track. That's sub five minute mile pace. How do you transition so well between super endurance and super speed training? Well, Haley, one of my top priorities is taking really good care of my body before, during, and after every run. This year I started using Prevenex Joint Health Plus, and I've definitely felt a direct benefit to my training. The active ingredients in Joint Health Plus are clinically proven to reduce joint pain and stiffness. Less joint pain means faster run splits and better recovery for tomorrow's run. You don't have to run as far or as fast as Alyssa to benefit from Prevenex's Joint Health Plus. And in just seven to 10 days of using Joint Health Plus, you should notice a difference. If by chance you don't feel any benefits, Prevenex offers a 100% refund, no questions asked. Everyone wants to feel good when they swim, bike, run, or even walk. Alyssa and I both highly recommend you head to Prevenix.com and use the code IRONWOMEN15 and get 15% off your first order. Again, that website is Prevenix, P-R-E-V-I-N-E-X.com and discount code IRONWOMEN15. All right, Laura Siddle and Jocelyn McCauley, both returning guests to the Iron Women podcast, but in slightly different capacity this week. And... Um, I kind of want to preface this, but Jocelyn, uh, you are talking to us at like a very, you know, convenient, apparently time for you. Actually, I don't think it's convenient. Do you want to share, um, how's life right now? Well, I am way too pregnant right now and, um, was due a while ago and, uh, am currently having contractions. So, but they're like the beginning, (laughs) it's called prodomal labor. It's like nothing. So we're fine. We're good. And who knows? I might just peter out and it might be faults and move on. So, but one can only hope that I can, you know, say I got a podcast with the Iron Women podcast and then had a baby like that night. You're talking to three women who don't have children. And so we are all like terrified for you right now, even though you have assured us that this is totally fine and you want to be continuing. But just for our listeners out there, if anyone else is terrified, like, don't worry, we did double check that this was, this is totally fine. It could be like an exclusive. This could be like your first, uh, or it could be, I think probably most podcasts. Just leave it running if things progress, Jocelyn. Just keep the mic on. Just carry the phone with you. It'll be fine. We'll be along for the ride. I'm having a home birth. So I would just need to message my midwife to come over and we, we could continue on. So. So if you if you actually had your camera on, we could like be a live. This could be a live broadcast of the home birth. It's like the Keeping Up with the Kardashians. I've seen it all before, so I'm sure you know we can. Yeah, this would be good. No, but thank you, Jocelyn, for um, yeah coming on in the in the midst of real life here. Right, yeah. Iron Woman for sure, and Laura Sid. Little Laura Siddle or Sid, as I think, is that okay if we call you that? I feel like that's what I call yeah, you in my head. But where are you right now? Where in the world are you? Because we know you are the wanderlust traveler of triathlon, and yet it's a pandemic. So where are you? 
I know. Yeah, it, it's um, it's been obviously for everyone, it's been a bit of a strange year or now two years. Um, but I am currently in Boulder, so I I was in Spain. Um, I kind of ended up back in the UK for for lockdowns and shutdowns last year, which was pretty bizarre, having not been in the UK, lived in the UK since two thousand and seven. Um, but then was in managed to get back to Spain for a bit, but came managed to get out to um. I came out to the US at the end of January. We had a, a training camp with my coach and squad. Um, and then I've come up to Boulder for a couple of weeks. And then the original plan was then I was I was over here ready to race Challenge Miami in a couple of weeks time. Um, unfortunately, I can't race. But yeah, I'm still I was the decision to not race was already when I was out in the States. So I'm just making the most of, uh, yeah, being in Boulder, lacking oxygen, um, but being with being with my coach and squad for a bit of training rather than on my own as normal. Right. And you both are professional triathletes and members of the Professional Triathlon Organization's Anti-Doping and Anti-Fraud Committee. So I'd love to start by asking why each of you volunteer to be a part of this committee. Let's start with Laura. Yeah, I think, look, I've been a long time supporter of the PTO, like from years and years ago when it started out in all its various different forms and, and early stages. Um, I'd always signed up. I always had seen the need that our sport needed a an athlete body or an athlete voice. Um, so I guess I, I've always had that interest from from years, years ago. Um, and then I think it was just an opportunity to become more involved in the PTO. And then the site, you know, as well as that, the um, drugs, anti-doping is TUE, something I'm kind of fairly passionate and ad- ad- um, an advocate against, obviously, like many of us are. And so, yeah, there was just an opportunity to be involved in the PTO and on the anti-doping side. And so it was kind of, yeah, put my hand up for that and was fortunate to to be allowed to be involved. And Jocelyn, same question to you. Why did you want to join the PTO and this committee in particular? Most like of what the second half that Sid said uh, was true for me too. Just like, I mean, I was, I've always been passionate about anti-doping and, and, you know, seeing that there needs to be change um, in anti-doping in our sport in all sports, but um, in our sport in particular, obviously. And I wanted to uh, contribute to the PTO. I, I wasn't ever involved with the, you know, different, you know, organizations of it beforehand um, until this past year, but I wanted to be part of it when it started, you know, this past year and, and help and, you know, you know, like use me as much as you can kind of thing. I want to help the sport that, you know, I think we all are so passionate about and love so much. And if there's any way that we can help the sport progress and improve, then I think we would all love to see that happen. And so, um, it was one of the first committees, at least, that I saw emailed out saying, hey, geez, you know, if, tell me if anyone is interested in doing this. And so I was like, sure, jump on board. Like, first opportunity I could get. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's just much of the same. Like, I, I think we can do better. I think we can be better. And I want to be part of that change. And most anti-doping programs are run by national anti-doping organizations like the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency, which we know as USADA. And Ironman also runs an anti-doping program. So why does the PTO need its own anti-doping program and policies? We'll start with Jocelyn on this one. Uh, so we're not, as the PTO and the athletes 
uh, part of the PTO, we're not making our own anti-doping program like Ironman has, like USADA is, uh, and things like that. So we are making our own anti-doping policies, I think would be the better uh, word for it, like you you said for the, for the second part of that. So as the PTO, it's all about us as athletes, right? Like we're part of this PTO and we're come together to make the PTO. And so we have felt as though they're, um, the people who are part of the PTO of all of us athletes you know, are wanting a new set of standards and we are wanting a higher set of standards because we don't think the set of standards that we currently have are are okay with all of us athletes competing. And so, you know, um, I think we'll talk about it more further on, but, you know, we've set out a survey to be able to um, include everyone in these new policies that we want to make for the PTO and so that we can all have um, that ownership in it and um, drive the sport forward. And I mean, we're a small new organization and there's need for change in our sport uh, to drive progress forward to a new level. So uh, why, why not? And Laura, Ironman does test amateurs. Will the PTO program be just for professional athletes? Um. I mean, it's early days and everything. At the moment, I think yes, because it's the professional triathlon organization. So we're very much focused around developing the sport for the professionals. Um, you know, it would be great. And this is, you know, speaking myself here, not probably on behalf of the rest of the board, but it would be great that if we get something established further down the line, that we see that then transitioning into the amateur side of the sport as well. So if we can get the testing policies up and running that we want in our sport and we want to work to and adhere to um, and that we can get the other organizations on board. It would be great to see races take those to the amateur side as well. But at the moment, it's the PTO, it's the professional triathlon organization. So it's very much, you, you know, it's, it's a massive undertaking for a start. So we're very much just trying to get get it sorted and get the right level of testing and the policies and, and the standards in place for the professionals. And so having athletes like yourselves on the anti-doping committee, setting up the anti-doping program or policies, I guess, and then also being the ones tested by those policies, governed by those policies, it seems like it could create uh, a bit of a conflict of interest. So can you tell us what the PTO is doing to maintain the integrity of its anti-doping policies. So let's start with Laura here. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we, we're volunteers on the anti-doping board, but as Jocelyn said, we've sent a survey out to the members. We are very much about, we want to collect the members views and how they perceive anti-doping, what ideas they have, if there's anything, you know, that they, they're aware of that we could bring on board and include in our, in our testing procedures. But it's, that is, that's in developing the system but the actual testing is very separate to us as the athletes and, and obviously it has to be so we're looking we have um we're working with a, a lady she's absolutely brilliant Michelle Verrocken um she's been a leader in anti-doping policies in many sports around the world um and she's been helping us a lot to develop to help develop the the policies and the procedures and get it up and running um, and she would she would be part of an independent body that would be um, 
seeing all the test results that come out of anything we test so we so you know the testing that we did at Daytona none of us have seen that the results that's all gone to Michelle that's all been independent uh there'll be an independent we probably again early days but probably will have um a independent consultant set up as a group and they would be reviewing any positive tests that came through and then informing going from there to inform the right people within the organizations and whatever sanctions that potentially um would lead so yeah so we're and i think all of us on the anti-doping board are really really conscious of that and we don't want to be involved in that you know we can't be involved but we don't want to be involved in that area we we want to help collect the views of the membership and then add our thoughts to it to help drive it forward but yeah we're very aware that actually and you know can I get tested myself I don't want to see necessarily that side of of the management of it right we want a third party independent third party involved yeah. which it sounds like you have yeah. but Jocelyn I wanted to add like when you talk about policies that are are stricter are harder than those that are existing do you do you worry about you know you're making these policies for yourself making things harder for yourself is that does that worry you at all <laughs> because um i i you know i think that most of us athletes are very conscious and very careful about what we put in our bodies we're not trying to you know say you can't have any supplements whatsoever you can't have any you know prescription meds you can't take a cold medicine when you need it like that's not like a stricter policy of, of sorts that we're, we're looking at implementing. We're looking at more implementing, let's follow the rules like we should and let's be smart. And, you know, and then if, if there are for some reason, you know, there's, you know, a doping problem, then we're going to address that um, possibly harsher than um, another, you know, Ironman or, you know, USADA or WADA would um, address that. But that is obviously all in the works. It's not, you know, anything, there's nothing established because we had that survey that went out. We're still getting the results, like Laura said, from, uh, or Sid said, from the survey. And so we are wanting to know what the, um, you know, what the members of the PTO want. And if they do want, you know, harsher bans and things like that, then that's the, what we want to implement. And, and that's at least from the limited response of, of things that we've heard um, as part of the board is, is what people do want. They want things to be harsher. They want things to be, um, yeah, I, I, think, I think a harsher rather than harder might be, I, I guess, a better way of saying it. I, th I think there's another thing to add there. And it's been fascinating working with Michelle and her experiences about also putting responsibility back on to the athletes to show that they are clean athletes um and so it's not necessarily like us you know it is harsh does harsher policies make it harder for us well maybe but that's what we should be willing to undertake as professionals to pro to show that we are competing clean and competing fairly um and so I think it's it's trying to and that's why again it's trying to very much bring the whole membership on board to canvas what the general consensus is but I think with Michelle's experience as well it's about educating and getting the professionals to take a bit of responsibility themselves in the process 
And PTO rankings are used for year-end bonus payments as well as invitations to select races. So these are pretty important, right? So if an athlete tests positive for a banned substance, what currently happens to that athlete's PTO ranking? Jocelyn, can you tell us about that? Right. So at the moment, nothing because um, it's not established. So, I mean, unfortunately, you know, us as a you know, committee and everything, everything just takes time. It takes time to establish these new policies, implement these new policies, and, the, and then put them into the PTO's um, membership um, you know, that you have to sign for and everything. And so to be able to, to, be able to have uh, harsher you know, bans or you know, something to happen to the ranking or anything like that, we have to put it in place first. And so we're hoping to have things in place for this coming year. Um, in that PTO membership agreement. Um, so currently right now, we just respect whatever ban um, they are serving from whatever organization until we are able to uh, implement and establish our own. Okay. The PTO Anti-Doping Committee states a goal of innovative ideas, and it seems like the dried blood spot testing that was done at Challenge Daytona, it could fall in that category. And so, Laura, I know you didn't race, but you were on site in Daytona. Can you tell us at all about the testing? Did you see any of it happening? Uh, yeah, I did see it. And I actually did. I volunteered and had it done myself. So um, it was, I have to say, so the dry blood spot testing we we implemented in Daytona was a voluntary testing. So not the not every athlete had to take part they they could they took part if they wanted to we obviously encouraged them to but there was it was kind of, it was anonymous as well to who took part as well so we haven't kind of seen that um and they had to fill in waivers and things but um and i was there so i was fascinated and wanted to take part just to see how easy or what the process was but also we were doing it for kind of research purposes to say, is this something that is viable and that we can include going forward, not as a replacement for the current testing, but is it something we can include in our testing processes and policies? Um, I was surprised how easy it was to do. So it's something you can administer yourself. Um, There was obviously um testers there sort of guiding us through and it's just literally almost like a patch that goes on your arm and then you just sit there as it sort of collects that collects the blood basically out out of your arm it's sort of five to ten minutes it there's you know you might feel that little prick as the the patch goes on but it's it's really painless um and it's really simple to administer um i think you could probably do it virtually to some extent as well but I mean that's again that's that's my thoughts um but but yeah I think it's just exciting you know we're a new organization so we've got a real opportunity to look at the new ways of testing and that's where Michelle's experience comes in she's working with all different kinds of sports and has some great ideas of what we could potentially bring in to help move the testing um forward in triathlon and then hopefully kind of global sport but just make it yeah put things in place that we want as an athlete as the athletes of the pto to to manage against uh doping in the in, in the sport and i did read a little bit about dried blood spot testing and i was just curious and like you you just mentioned it sounds like it's meant to complement the more traditional urine testing or 
quote unquote, wet blood testing, where in a wet blood test, they'll, you sit there for a while, you take, they take several vials, you need a person who's trained to do that. And it sounds like one of the benefits of dried blood spot testing is that it's, it's cheaper and a little bit easier, maybe. Is that right? It's cheaper. Um, you, it's easier to store. Like you don't have to store it in a cooled, uh, controlled environment like you do normal blood. And, and so it is cheaper. It is more convenient. Um, I know that USADA this year actually implemented it during COVID because of not being able to get into people's houses. It was also a voluntary basis. Um, they had some of their top athletes in swimming and track and field uh, volunteer to be able to, to do this and to, so to do the blood dried blood spot testing, but then also to do a, a, a zoom urine sample. You didn't have to like show the urine coming from your body, but you had to do like a zoom, like through your bathroom and stuff like that. Um, and then go and, and then, um, you know, send it in and everything. And so, uh, it's not just us that are looking at these different, um, you know, modalities to be able to test. It's uh, a lot of different organizations out there. And I think, you know, when you, when we say it's cheaper that I think don't hear that and say, we're trying to skimp and save on monies. <laughs> I mean, if a test is, if a test is cheaper, we can test more people kind of thing, you know, for the same money. And I think if anyone's been following the PTO for the last year, they can see that they are serious about investing in the sport and, doing and and the anti-doping program is part of that and so if we can and again it's something that went out in the survey like how many how many how many times are people getting tested at the moment and in competition out kind of out of competition how many times do people want to get tested or would they feel they should get tested so if there are other methods in addition to the traditional um testing that we can like utilize as collecting results or, or building up that sort of that i guess that blood passport or or even just for research purposes for the sport going forward, then I think that's something really great to be part of. And Jocelyn, it sounded like you were talking from experience. Did you do the dried blood spot testing or and Zoom urine testing through USADA? Oh, it was just a podcast I listened to with Travis Tiger, who's the uh, USADA uh, director. So no, I did not. But, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I did see Lucy Charles Barkley tweeted the other day that she's had her first virtual drugs test. Okay. So, so yeah, it is happening. Quite yeah, apparently so. <laughs> yeah. And Sid, do you know if the results in Daytona, like, have you seen anything? I know that you said you don't get the results, but has the board talked about any of the results of the dried blood, blood spot testing in Daytona? Uh, not yet. So that's all gone to, uh, gone to Michelle. Um, and so I mean, as far as I'm aware, there's been no sort of anomalies out of it. And again, like we said, it was just used being used for research. So, yeah, we're yet to get any formal feedback or anything from Michelle around around the dry blood testing. And it's been mentioned a couple of times, but uh, the PTO recently sent an anonymous athlete survey or it came from your committee within the PTO. And so we're not sure the exact reach if it went to all pros or just those who are PTO members, but it asked the athletes about their basic experiences with an attitude towards the anti-doping efforts in sport. Jocelyn, can you tell us a little bit about really like, you know, why the committee thought it was important to send this survey? Um you know, as you're kind of digging into these efforts here? I think that one of the biggest points that we would love to like make sure is heard is that 
we want this to be a you know member driven policy uh anti-doping policies like that is 100 percent what we want because when it's member driven it's member owned and when you have ownership over it like like sid said about michelle that was one of her big things is like she wants athletes um to have ownership over all of these policies because when you have that ownership over your policy you are you know you're more likely to accept it right and you're more likely to promote it and to be really an active engaging part of it um and support it and so we want it to be obviously supported by the members and so we need it to we we wanted the survey to to you know encapsulate all of the ideas and and everything that all of our members do have um, and it went out to the 450 members of the pto that we currently have and laura we realized the survey window just closed and you might not have had time to really analyze the results but can you tell us any preliminary findings or common or unexpected answers that came along i would i would love to yeah i know so again the, the survey results went back to michelle um, and I know they've now come gone through to to Dylan, and he's just started in the process of sort of collating them. Um, I think additionally, it was it was great. We had a couple of extra emails that came through to us as members of the committee personally, with additional kind of ideas of suggestions of people saying, "Oh, I've seen this being used in this sport," and and putting that, which is great. And so we we're also we we're also then collecting you know, we've got a, like a Google document where we're collecting all of those ideas from all the other members, from anything that's get sent through from the members that um, hopefully we'll be able to bring along with when we see the the findings from the the survey. I'd love, I, you know, I would love to have been able to talk about it, this, the survey results on the podcast, and maybe we can come back when the results are out. But yeah, we just haven't had, um, haven't had chance to fully go through everything yet. I'd love to hear um, just if there were any interesting trends or something that you unexpected, just when you have an anonymous survey, sometimes things pop out, but um, next time uh, moving on, we kind of mentioned how Ironman has its own anti-doping program and it actually maintains its own registered testing pool. And it, it publishes the names of the 100 professional athletes who are in that pool quarterly on its website. So I did take a quick glance at the Q1 2021 list. And I thought it was interesting that Laura, you're included, but Jocelyn is not. And both of you are Ironman champions. Jocelyn is currently number 10 woman on the PTO's world ranking. So if you're willing to share, I would just love to hear your personal experiences with anti-doping. So maybe we'll start with Jocelyn here. Given your race results, do you think you should be tested more frequently? I don't know. I mean, I guess given my results, yes. Uh, if you compare it to other people, like, and, and how often they are tested. Um, I, I mean, I was talking to Sid earlier and I, I think a lot of testing, unfortunately, is out of convenience. And so I have lived in, uh, Cincinnati, Ohio and in Boise. And honestly, the only time I was ever tested in my own home was in 2017 after Ironman New Zealand. And I was tested, um, at home in Cincinnati. Uh, they drove out from West Virginia. I think it was eight hours. They drove out to test me and then drove back the same day. <laughs> um, so I, other than that, I've been tested in Texas where there's a lot more athletes there and it's been during like Kona buildup and things like that. And so like Patrick Longa and um, a lot of athletes that he comes with uh, train down there as well during 
during the Kona buildup and stuff like that. And so, and then I've been tested there um, before Ironman Texas as well. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you ask about our, uh, our experiences with anti-doping and I mean, I've had, you know, great experiences with them. I mean, a lot of them have just been funny. I mean, like I took melatonin, which is like, a, you know, like the natural hormone sleep aid thing, um, not a banned substance, <laughs> uh, to be able to go to sleep one night. And then the, as soon as I took it, the anti-dopers knocked on the door. <laughs> so I was like really delirious talking with them and doing my anti-doping tests and they were having a lot of fun and having a kick out of it. Another time that I was in Texas, I like was literally um, on the pool deck, cap goggles about to dive in and I look over at the door and um, of, uh, at the door where people come in and there's these two people in street clothes coming in. I'm like, oh, that's anti-doping, 100% no. And so I didn't dive in because you're actually, you can't take an anti-doping test like four hours uh, after uh, exercise. And so like if I had jumped in and started, I would have had to wait and then you just have to like babysit you and stuff. So that was a blood and urine test. And they did the blood um, on the pool deck of the YMCA with all of the old ladies waiting for their like aqua aerobics class to start so they're all staring at me with these people like taking my blood on the side of a pool I can't believe the YMCA actually allowed it but um yeah so I guess those are just my funny experiences um with anti-doping but um I yeah I, I think I should be tested more frequently I was on USADA's um pool in 2017 in their registered testing pool and USADA only has a thousand people on their registered testing pool, which I thought was quite interesting and astounding that it's only a thousand people that they they uh, have on their registered testing pool out of all sports on on their um, testing. Yeah, and so then the next year I was on Ironman's anti-doping registered testing pool and then I was taken off and never put back on. So uh, who knows? I don't know the rhyme or reason or how they decide that. If it's just a name and a hat and they draw it, I doubt it's that, but you know, I have, I have no idea. So. And same question to you, Sid, you are included in Ironman's testing pool. What has been your experience? Do you feel like your, your test? I mean, I'm really curious, especially cause you are all over the world. Yeah, so I'm actually on two testing pools. I'm on uh, Ironman testing pool and I'm on uh, uh, UK UK anti-doping testing pool as well. Fortunately, due to the amount of sort of, I guess, the process that it is, I don't have to do double the work for both of those pools. So um, Ironman take the UCAD testing system or the um, the app that we use to, to do our whereabouts and stuff like that. Um, personal experiences it's it is it is a lot of work um and I'm not saying that in a martyr way I'm it's part of the job and we take that on but it is not easy system to keep up to date with um you know I as an example I you know it's got the it, it has a feature that allows you to set notifications to as a reminder of just you know this is where you're meant to be for your next so to explain briefly, we have to set, give, provide all our overnight accommodation every night of the year. We have to have an address and then you have to put all in your travel details. And then additionally to that, you have to have one hour 
every day, which you allocate as uh, the testing hour, I guess. And that's where you and you have to be at the place you nominate for that hour. Now, that doesn't mean the testers can't turn up outside of that hour. Um, but if you're not there, they there isn't as much um, standing against you. But if you are not in the place you have said for your hour of testing, then that's when all the, the issues come on board. Um, but the app itself is not huge, hugely easy to do. Like, I, yeah, again, like I said, it's got a, a notification feature where you can obviously set a reminder, which, you know, just I, I normally try and set it like for the evening that flags where I am because I choose 5 a.m. in the morning as my testing spot. And it's never worked. I never get the notification. I never get the reminder. I've emailed them. I've spoken to them several times. It still doesn't work. So, you know, that that's my experience from the process side of things. Um, and you, I, I do, you know, like I said, my my hour is five till six. Well, this morning I left the house at four to go skiing, but it was only last night that I was suddenly panicking going, shit, I haven't updated my whereabouts because because normally I put five till six because I know I'm going to be at home because who else who goes out earlier than that no one and then obviously I had the opportunity to go and do something else and was leaving the house early but then was having to go oh god no I do have to like update that or so and and if if your chat if your plans change and the last minute or if something's happened and your mind is just somewhere else it's and I appreciate it is our job so we have to be mindful of it but sometimes it does you do just literally forget that you were meant to be in a certain place. I mean, that's why I try and do it at bookends of the day. So the, the five to six or the 10 to, 10 to 11 PM. Um, in terms of personal experiences. Yeah. I think we should all be tested more. Like I think, and I'm not sure if this is official. I'll probably saying something I shouldn't. I think for UK anti-doping, anyone on the registered testing pool is meant to be tested three times a year certainly wasn't tested that last year I'm probably now opening myself up to get like tested for the next three weeks running or something stupid like that um and I think we should be tested at most races I think there should be more or I think there should be more out of competition testing um it's most of the testers know where the athletes are it's pretty easy to turn up like Justin said that you know they know that there's athletes on training camps they know where there, there's a lot of athletes live um I yeah, I, I think we should be testing more people more often. So yeah. I have one follow up. Could you theoretically be test? Could you have like two drug testers show up on the same day? Someone from Ustot or someone from Ironman mm. and someone from UK. Could that happen? Te- technically, probably yes. But so I have been tested in the US, but by the UK anti doping. But they. I think what happens is UK, because I was in the US, UK contact USADA, and then it's the tester that comes from there. So I think that the testers are all kind of work for the organ. And so I would like to think they would streamline it if that was the case. That's um, a lot of blood. But I, I mean, I guess, <laughs> no. I guess technically you could. Yeah, it might not no, be training. Hopefully the there's day. some. I, it's a lot of, it's a lot of, it's a lot of weeing and it's a lot of drinking and like I, I had one. Yeah, I, it was actually I was in Boulder here last year, and the testers turned up at like 10 p.m. So I'd like was just getting ready for bed. I'd literally just been to the toilet, and so I then sat for the next little while, like trying to drown down water and fluid. And you can't, of course, you can't go to drink too much because then there's all the diluted. Anyway, finally, eventually went to the the bathroom, could give my urine sample, 
I did not sleep a wink that night because for every fripping half an hour, I was desperate for the toilet and I had to get back up and go to the bathroom all night. And I was like, this it's is like not you're on. pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I knew that was coming. As soon as Jocelyn piped up, then I was like, she's going to say a pregnancy thing about toilets. Here. <laughs> getting up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, I just wanted to add in there as well. Like, totally agree with Sid. Like, with we should get more, tested more frequently and and everything like that. Like, um, you know, I've been fortunate to be tested around races, even not in the registered testing pool. So I'm still tested. You know, even though I'm not in the testing pool, I am still tested out of competition. Um, and whatnot. Um, and then also to second her, like being part of the registered testing pool. I mean, I was part of USADA and then part of Ironman and, and both of their programs are absolutely hideously horrible. Like they're just, they, they need to hire someone to, to update those, to, to make it easier for us athletes. <laughs> I know I sound like, a, like, I mean, it is what it is. And it is like Sid said, part of our jobs, but um, they are not very good programs to navigate, to be able to put in what you need. And then, like she said, to to remember exactly where you your hour was and then be like, oh, shoot, my plans changed. So I got to change all of this and, you know, and everything like that. Um, and then I thought it would be uh, uh, interesting to just add in here uh, with all of this registered testing pool in and out of competition testing and everything. Um. I, I don't know if you guys joined the WADA update call this last week um, about anti-doping, about, you know, the COVID, COVID and um, anti-doping and just what has happened with it um, in terms of, of WADA, the World Anti-Doping Agency. And I thought it was interesting. They actually put up their stats on this call that they have done. It was 90-ish plus a couple percentage points, um, depending on the quarter. Ninety-ish uh, percent of the levels of 2019 out of competition tests they did in um, 2020. So obviously, in competition testing was down because there weren't competitions, but they were able to still have quite almost the same level of out of competition testing um, around the world. Uh, obviously, some places were more limited than others and, and things like that, but there was still anti-doping stuff done during COVID. I wanted to chime in just about the USADA um, system because I was first in the USADA testing pool, I think when I was like 16 or 17. So we're talking around like 2000. And back then we had to fill out the form and handwrite in where we were, but we did not have to like specify an hour, but you had to handwrite and then you had to fax it in. <laughs> so, so, so it could be worse. <laughs> I will take my app that I, you know, you, well, I guess I'm not on it anymore, but yeah, the app that you can update and, you know, do it, change it like 24 hours beforehand and, you know, things like that, which actually when I got off of the, of the testing pool, right. That fall that I was off of it, they sent out a survey to say like, what do you like? What do you not like? And blah, blah, blah. Yes. Well, I think we just, we just lost Alyssa. She might have just lost um, power, but I, we will continue on with, um, so the name of, I do want to ask just about this. We'll wrap up this conversation. This has been so, so good, but the name of your committee is the anti-doping and anti-fraud committee. So can you tell us what falls under the anti-fraud part of that title? We can start with Laura on this one. Yeah. So I guess like fraud is 
is very broad. I mean, fraud is fraud covers the doping aspects as well, but fraud is also kind of like mechanical doping or even things just like fixing a race, race fixing. Um, I mean, like I said, drugs are even fraud because they affect a race. Um, and so we're looking at all, we're looking at some other um, potential opportunities as well. There's a a group called um, Clean Protocol, which do kind of, I'm going to probably get it wrong, but like almost like psychometric tests where they ask you a load of questions and then they analyze your your eyes and your your response and stuff and they could they could get a pretty good gauge of how truthful you are being um and there's things that look and that's not to sanction obviously because it's but it's probably potentially to be used in addition and again supporting a case um and it would be maybe applying that that procedure to not just the athlete but to their support team so to their coach, to their partners, to those sort of people as well, because there is research, they say, that claims that you um, anyone involved potentially can it, that can it can show up. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think anti the anti-fraud just covers every element of unfair racing, whether that is taking drugs, um, mechanical uh, doping, fixing a race through, you know, changing results and that um Change, changing the outcome of the race so it's I guess we're just wanting to look at that broader aspect. Jocelyn anything to add about anti-fraud? Great. <laughs> All right so we mentioned the survey and so for any of our listeners who are pro athletes who missed the survey window um, or who you know I guess if there were people who are listening who aren't professional triathletes, but they're anti-doping enthusiasts and they want to follow the committee's progress over the next couple of months or years, they might want to write in. Um, how do they get in touch with you? We can start with Jocelyn. They can email us uh, anytime to be able to get in touch with us with ideas or input or anything. Um, and then in terms of just, you know, hearing more about it and everything, um, you know, the PTO website uh, has all of the um, press releases and uh, news releases that they do. And so following them on social media to be able to see any new press releases that are coming out about the anti-doping um, committee and things like that uh, would be great. And yeah, I mean, there anyone is always uh, free to reach out to any of us. Um, I'm sure Sid has said the same of, you know, with any, suggestions or any questions that other people might have we are more than happy to hear yeah I mean we, we've sort of said like if you we can we're happy for you guys to share our emails in show notes in the podcast notes kind of thing so that if there is any of the professionals who have uh, unfortunately missed things um, or any of any other professionals that are listening to this and have got further ideas um, to definitely message us because we are like I said we're collecting trying to collect as many thoughts and ideas from the members as possible and I think just like finally to say that it it is going to take a bit of time like you know a lot of people think well why can't you just do this why can't we just implement that but it is a lot harder than that because there are so much red tape white tape whatever involved and because we are new and trying to set up so you know what what parts of the, you know, do we want to be a WADA signatory or, and again, this is just throwing things out there, but you know, there is a lot of policies and standards already out there that we have to consider and 
work out if we need to be involved for the better of the sport anyway, or what can we add in addition to that? Um, and then what are those the athletes' ideas? How do we want to lead and drive it ourselves? And Sid, I believe you're headed to Challenge Miami here coming up in just a couple of weeks. Um, do we know, are they doing the dried blood spot testing again there? Or can you give us an update on that? Yeah, so the the dry blood testing, I don't think will be in Miami. Um, that was a obviously it was a PTO led initiative for the PTO championships in Daytona, whereas Miami is a challenge family race. Um, there will be COVID testing there, of course, um, plenty of that going on, um, and there is the potential that USADA can turn up at the race and um, implement drugs testing for the race. Um, on the day but yeah there won't be any any uh, dry blood spot testing at the moment what about picks like do you have any um how is the race gonna play out I mean I know like, can you share that or are we like asking I mean we have some big names racing uh can you share who to watch in case oh gosh we get this aired before before the race like yeah um well I mean so one thing to know it will be live streamed so the NASCAR production team who they did the they did the um challenge daytona the pto championship coverage so nascar productions are doing challenge miami i think we're going to see the challenge north america races all live streamed through nascar's productions going forward which is super exciting i know they've got some really exciting ideas for how to promote the sport from a live coverage aspect i think what you saw in daytona was fantastic but even talking to the production team literally like hours after the race finished they were because that's the first triathlon that event they'd done. They were still like, oh, right, we learned this. We should have done this. We should have done that. We can do this next time. So I'm quite excited about Miami to see what they're going to, they're going to kind of bring to it. Um, so yes, so it will be live streamed. I'm currently avoiding the question of saying who to pick <laughs> of watching. Um, I mean, look, I, I think it's on the men's side, it's going to be hard to go past Jan Fredino just because we haven't seen him race for so long. He's such, um, you know, he is one of the best in the world. Um, so I think he's going to be pretty exciting to watch. Obviously, I'm more interested in the women's side of the sport. Um, I think, you know, Lucy Charles had some injuries last year, but now she's coming over to race. Um, so it's going to be interesting sort of to pit her up against, you know, I, I think you can't go past Paula Finley. She had a great race in Daytona. Um, it'd be great to see her to see her shine again um, in Miami. Uh, but who else is down? I'm trying to think of the start list now. You know, you got Annie Haug and um, Meredith Kessler's back racing. She's always a tough one. Um, I, I just think it's yeah, it's going to be it's going to be pretty exciting. Who are your who are, who are your picks? I want to hear Jocelyn's picks. <laughs> Jocelyn, since since you are on maternity leave by then, hopefully. <laughs> um, um, do you have any picks or are you going to be tuning in? Do you think like, do you enjoy watching the races even when you are not yourself there? So I watched obviously, uh, Daytona. Um, I, so it was on a Sunday, so I wouldn't race on it or anything. Um, but I, and I don't also watch sports on Sunday. So I like had to stay off of all social media until like I got on my bike on Monday and I had this workout that I was going to do and I hammered it way, way too hard. And I was like in a hole for a handful of days after because it was so awesome to watch. So yeah, I've, I love watching these um, even when I'm not part of it and everything, but 
Um, I, I was trying to pull up the start list, to be honest, right now. I was trying to delay here so I could find the start list. I don't know who everyone we did put you on the spot. We did put you on the spot. And we're a couple weeks out. And I feel like recording these a couple weeks out is a little bit cruel because we don't know. Like there's still a lot that can happen in these last couple of weeks before the race. And it always does. But um, I mean, it's going to be exciting. Sid, where can we watch it? Like, is it on the Challenge Family website? Is that or we can double check and we'll get this information in our show notes before before it actually airs yeah um again I'm not 100% sure on that yet I'm not sure if they've fully announced it but I I'm sure it will be um coming out through challenge I can imagine at the moment or through I don't know if they've got um the same relationship with the NBC and Peacock for this race um I know that's the plan in the future with the North America races that it'll be it'll be live streamed through that so that might be the same for Miami um but I'm not sure I've heard what's being confirmed yet but uh, it will be it will be live coverage um Belinda Granger's flying over again to to be one of the the commentators with the guys so and it's always so it should be pretty it should be pretty good fun I was just going to ask if you were going to commentate. We don't, you're not going to be commentating? <laughs> <laughs> I would love to. I haven't been called up yet. I'm doing the pro liaison role while Belinda does the commentating. So I actually get there on, I have to get there on Friday this week because that's when all the international athletes arrive because they're having to come in early so that they can sort of quarantine in the hotel for the first few days. Um, so I'm getting there then to just make sure everything's okay. And then I'll be, yeah, trying to look after, <laughs> trying to look after the pro athletes for the, the first few days leading up to their race day, which is on Friday. That's one thing to know. It is on Friday. So they've done it quite well. The, the pros race on Friday and again, separate races for the men and the women, which is exciting, gives them um, full coverage to the, to the women's race as well. Um, and then the there's a pro-am race Saturday. So the, the pros race Friday done. Age groupers can go and watch that live, obviously. And then Saturday morning, there's a pro-am race, which is where the pros do the swim leg and age groupers get to bid to do the bike and the run in a, in a relay team. And that's super good fun. So that takes place Saturday morning. And then you get the other various age group events and the kids races over the weekend, which is great because the pros have raced. So they can go down and support the age group races for, with their race responsibilities out the way and done. That's so cool. Well, we will be looking forward to watching that. Thank you for giving us a little bit of a scoop. Jocelyn, best of luck to you in your next couple <laughs> hours of life. I hope everything goes very smooth. And, um, you know, thank you again for, for coming on the show. And it's been really, really great to listen and learn about the PTO's anti-doping policies. And we'll be following this in the future. Thank you both. Uh and and about and about contractions never yeah. knew like that and I, I i was panicked every time she like went on every time she went on mute or went quiet i was like oh it's gosh happening. what's going on it's happening we're gonna have a baby no. <laughs> we're gonna have a baby i was just us. drinking water and coughing no. thank you guys so much for letting us uh talk about this awesome new program and and uh be a part of that so yeah thanks guys Haley, I've been doing some research on winter adventures and hiking, and guess what one of the most important gear pieces is for winter hiking? Hmm, a really warm coat, snowshoes, an ice axe? Okay, well, maybe those, but also sunscreen. It's not just a summer product, and that is why my Zelios Sun Barrier is still at the top of my pack. 
Thanks for the tip, Alyssa. If any of our listeners want to top off their hiking packs with Zilio's Sun Barrier or their gym bags with Zilio's Race Relief Recovery Gel, Swim and Sport Shower Products, or Betwixt Anti Chafe Chammy Cream, use code IRONWOMEN for 20% off at teamzilios.com. Hey, feisty folks. Jamila here, the Feisty Team Community Innovator. In June of 2020, we launched the Feisty Team to help you all stay feisty no matter what the year threw your way. Over the last six months, we've come together as a team to try and make the world a feistier place and connect with other like-minded friends in triathlon and endurance sports. We meet every month and bring in experts that can help us on the path to building feistiness in ourselves and others and create meaningful change in our sport and community. The monthly subscription is only $22 and you'll get monthly feisty huddles and webinars with expert guests, big sponsor discounts, swag and monthly prizes, challenges to stay motivated, a community of feisty like-minded friends. Plus we are adding new initiatives all the time, like our new book club and virtual workouts. Go to feistyteam.com to join us and become a part of the feistiest team in endurance sports so we can crush 2021 together. That is feistyteam.com. Okay, Alyssa, I'm very curious. Who are your picks for the women's podium and a dark mare at Challenge Miami this weekend? Okay, Haley. Well, I would say I'm going to go Annie Haug for the win. I'm going to go Meredith Kessler for second. I've been watching Meredith Swifting every week, and I feel like she's in it to win it here. And then um, I'm going to go with Paula Finley for third. And my dark mare, oh, man, I am going to pick... Let's go with, hmm, this is like a, such a hard question for the dark mare this time because I want to pick like everyone for the dark mare, but I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Lauren Brandon. Okay. Um, I know this is looking at this start list. I mean, I, I'm going to go with Paula Finley for the win. I just, she looks so good in Daytona and it's only been a couple months and I feel like just things have been going seemingly well for her. Um, I'll do Annie Haug second, and I'm going to pick Vanilla Langridge for third. And um, and then for the dark mare, Jackie Herring. I don't know if that counts as a dark mare because she is probably, like, still kind of a favorite. Yeah. But um, I think, yeah, I think she's going to do well. So should be a fun race. Again, live on Facebook, 2.30 p.m. Friday on the Challenge Miami Facebook page, two ninety nine fee if you haven't already signed up. Um you know, fun time to watch sports these days. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I've got my, got my calendar cleared. I'll be tuning in. So I look forward to catching up with you on that next week, Haley. Yes. And big thanks to Jocelyn and Laura for teaching us more about the PTO's anti-doping and anti-fraud committee. Excited to hear more about the efforts that they're taking. And Laura did text me afterwards and said that they are doing dried blood dried blood spot testing in Miami. So getting more data on that, more testing, and hopefully, um, you know, just keeping it, keeping everyone fair and keeping the sport clean. So we appreciate what they're doing. Alyssa, keep healing. Keep that optimism going. Bye, Haley.
You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Live Feisty Media and is edited by Lindsay Glassford. Thank you to our sponsors, Noon Hydration, Prevenix, Zelio Skincare, Form Swim Goggles, and Orca Sportswear. You can find all websites and discount codes in our show notes at ironwomenpodcast.com.